It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, this is Jason Squires. I'm the Director of Mentorship for Worship Leader. And hey, we're in a new month, and that means a new topic. And this month we're talking about shepherding your team, taking care of the people around you. You know, um, oftentimes you might be thrown into the, the leadership position, or you can play guitar so you can lead worship. And what does that mean? Because now you're handed, you're handed a group of people, and I have to take care of them. And so this whole month we're going to be talking about uh, shepherding your team. Today, we are joined by one of my good friends, Daryl Black. Daryl is uh, just a super funny guy, but his heart for people and community is infectious. And so I wanted you guys to hear from him today about the community aspect to shepherding people. So join us on this episode of The Table. Hey everybody, I am Jason Squires, the Director of Mentorship for Worship Leader Magazine. Um, today, I'm, uh, I'm excited about this podcast. We're in a new month and a new topic, uh, and this month's topic is on shepherding your team and taking care of people. Uh, and today, I'm joined by one of my good friends, Daryl Black. Hey, Daryl, how's it going? It's going great, man. Excited to be here. Why don't, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you and the, the, wonder, of, the wonder that is Daryl Black? <laughs> Well, I am uh, the worship and teaching pastor at uh, Bear Creek Community Church in Lodi, California. Been there about five years. I am a, a husband of almost 27 years. We got five children together. Um, yeah, I've been I've been professional musician most of my life, and uh, I love it. And and a preacher, teacher, clinician, all that stuff too. I've always wondered what when was the beginning of Daryl Black's musical life? Were you like when when were you like playing piano? Like what does that look like for you? Professionally or just No, the just playing yeah. piano. When did you, when were when was your your parents like play piano? Did you trust you know? Uh I was 3 years old when I started. That was going to be what I was going to guess. 3. That's yeah. that's pretty amazing. Yeah, 3 years old when when it started. And I think all I think all of my brothers and sisters started at that same age about so about 2 or 3 years old when we started and then by the time i was i think 15 i was playing professionally out traveling touring and stuff when was the first time you played in church like how old do you think you were four four yep because that makes sense you learn at three yeah. you you're, you're you're in church at four that <laughs> yes. makes complete sense that's my parents didn't play they were like listen it's been a year now four. <laughs> it's been a year now you've had plenty of time to get to, to learn and you yeah. might not know your letters yet, but you know how to play piano, and that's what's and, important. And bro, my, my, my parents were on the fast track for everything for us. So I'm, <laughs> I'm leading singing songs by the time I'm four. By the time I'm nine years old, I'm over the choir at our church. Stop it. That's yeah. amazing. That's, so, that's amazing. I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I know. It's, I don't know if 
if my dad was wise or crazy, maybe a little <laughs> bit of both, but I was over the choir. I, I knew harmonies. I could, I could play, I could sing. Now you and, probably had to stand on some phone books at nine years old to be seen. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, you're we not, had, you're not, we, you know, you got to get yeah. up there so people can see what you're doing. I was standing on either like the piano seat uh, <laughs> or like, two chairs that would be sitting on stage. I would stand on those chairs. This is why I like you. This is why we get along so well. Cause the thing is, is that you're totally serious. That's where you're not. Yeah. Most people would tell that story and you're like, that's two truths and a lie. I was leading. I was playing, playing piano at two and leading choir by nine. And you're like, no, that's a lie. No, Daryl, that's actually true. That's it. That's a hundred percent. That's how it went down, man. <laughs> and I didn't, uh, you don't, when you're that young, you don't even know that it's not normal. Because all of my brothers were doing it. All of my, it was, it was just what we did. So I, it, it wasn't strange. It was, yeah. it wasn't until later in our life that I look back and go, what? <laughs> I would never. And then when I started having kids, I'm like, I would never let my son who was nine years old be over anything. Was he 10 when you, was he 10 when you? <laughs> no, I mean, they started playing early as musicians and singing, but not being in charge of stuff. They're way too immature. Uh, I'm just picturing little, little Dara Blacks just standing and then playing and, and waving your arms and conducting choir. Like, this is amazing. In, in suits, man. I love in wearing suits. suits. All that I wore suits most of my childhood. There you uh, go. And early, I love wearing suits. I mean, but I had a suit for every occasion. Suit and tie <laughs> all day, every day, man. I used to wear suits to school sometimes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And a briefcase. Daryl Black is the is the piano master and uh, man of fashion. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so today um, our um, podcast, we're jumping into a new topic. And uh, this is something, the reason I asked you to be on this today, because I know you do this so well, is uh, taking care of people, like working with people, shepherding your team. Uh, and like, we're coming out of COVID where, like, we're coming out of, like, the season where, teams were smaller or people might have left and now we're coming back to like oh yeah there are people on these teams and we have to start i mean as restrictions have been lifted and like people are coming back together and it's like you know are they on the team have they left the church and like this is a weird season because it's like we all we're all kind of starting over again and Mm -hmm. like re-remembering what it meant what it meant to be uh with people and so, like, my, my first question for you today um, is, why, why is taking care of people so important? Like, why is that? Let's just go from a very basic, like, basic principle here. Like, why is it important as a worship leader to take care of people? Wow. I mean, I'm, I'll try to unpack that as easy as I can. But it's important to take care of people for multiple reasons, especially on your team. One is those are the people who are serving other people. Yep. And so if we're not, if we're not valuing and serving the people who are serving people, then people will, uh, you know, they'll leave, <laughs> they'll dry up really fast. Uh, I, I impress upon all worship leaders, not just worship leaders, but leaders in general and pastors in general to adapt a post COVID leadership. Sometimes the things that we were doing before COVID doesn't work anymore because people are in a completely different headspace. Yep. And so caring for your teeth, people right now takes a little more effort than it probably took two years ago. So we've got to go, man, why is it important that I take care of people? Because I don't want people to get burned out. Uh, I don't want people to think that they're being used. 
Uh, I want people to feel valued. I want them to feel appreciated. I want them to feel like, man, I want to serve this. I want it for anybody that's on my team. I want it to be difficult for them to leave because they go, man, even if I don't like the system, whatever the system may be, even if I don't like the system, man, I get treated so well here. It's hard for me to leave. And, you know, that's important uh, quality to give to your team. So, you know, and, and when you care about it and you're consistent, they see that. And I think, too, we're coming out of the coming out of a season where everybody is exhausted yeah. or like everybody is is worn down and everybody is like needs that place. And so, I mean, are you seeing that in your, I, I, oh, your yeah. church as well? Yeah. And I'm not only exa- exhausted and confused. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exhausted because if you've been in church during this, if you and during this time, you probably had to work harder than you've ever worked before. Even though you're, some churches weren't doing the regular Sunday service, but you're, you're recording more. You're, you're responsible for more because the teams are getting smaller. You know, I'm worship pastors are doing more tracks than they've ever done before, uh, which requires more time. And so they're having to do more resources than they've ever done before. So you just, you're exhausted. And so you go, how do I, and we have seasons. I mean, I think we always have seasons of exhaustion. You know, when we get around uh, holiday seasons, Easter, Christmas, there's always that stuff. But uh, COVID was kind of this all the time, every day Easter. It's like yep. you're going to work hard every day, every moment. You're always going to have to be thinking about what's happening next, even a lot more than you have in the past. And so uh, in many ways, that was really good for a lot of churches because it made them Think about their vision, their strategy, uh, really think about what we were doing that was poor. Uh, but for others, it was really bad because uh, they could see their, their systems really break down. And um, yeah, we had to re- really reevaluate how we serve people best during this season and post the season. Now, when you guys came back from COVID and came back from uh, this crazy, or I say came back, we're all coming back in a long process, but... Like, did you guys go full throttle back in or did you stair-step things back in? Like, are you like all back, all back or are you like, um, was it more of a, like, let's incrementally kind of get back to what full throttle might have felt like? How does that? No, we, we went full throttle, man. We went full throttle. I think we had done so much uh, of creating these other teams that people were just like, they were ready to serve. I think people were just like, okay, I'm over it. Yep. I'm, I'm ready to serve. I want to come back. I'm ready to dive in and, and do it. And I mean, it helped that I was always in communication with everybody, even the people who weren't serving during that period. You're still a part of the team. I'm still talking to you. This thing won't last forever. And so I still, they still got communications. They still got emails. So they still know what was going on. And so when we were ready to come back, like the, the whole team was like, let's do it. And That's so, which fantastic. made it great for me because I was like, man, these, this is my family. These are my people. They ready to rock. That's, uh, that's so good. That's so good. How do you, um, how do you make worship team a safe community where others want to participate? Like you've been in small churches, you've been in big churches, you've been in I mean, all different like shapes and sizes, but like, what is, what is kind of your, uh, method or, I mean, we talked a little bit about this a minute ago, but like, how do you. How do you make it a safe place for people that like 
that you said uh, that you want them to, it, may, it makes them hard, it makes it hard to want to leave. Like, what are some strategies you, you use to do that? Well, I think, first of all, you make an easy on-ramp. Like, how do people get involved in the first place? Well, even before getting involved, there's got to be something exciting that people want to be a part of. So if, if, I mean, to put it plainly, if your worship sucks, and, and, and that, can be, that can be subjective, <laughs> but <laughs> if, if it's not good, no one wants to be a part of anything that's not good. Yep. And so people want to be a part of something that's exciting, that look like it has life. And so you, you've got to really put time and effort into making sure that your, your ministry has life and it looks like something that God is growing. And so our worship team is always doing things. We're always meeting with each other. We're always hanging out. So when people see that, they go, ooh, I want to be a part of that community. How can I be a part of that community? So first, make the on-ramp easy. For people to be on do something exciting and give them an easy on wrap uh to be a part of that and and then when you get them on I, i'm i'm a professional musician by trade uh, and some people have been intimidated and they go man you play so well or you sing so well i'm scared to try to even you know get on stage with you let's forget all that uh, i have a conversation with every person that i do an assessment with that comes on to let them know First of all, this is not about you comparing yourself to me. This is not about you comparing yourself to the drummer or the bass player or whoever. It's not about that. It's about you bringing your gift. So I've, um, I've played at your church, and I think and I've been to your church, and conversation happens around good food, and you guys always have food, and, which is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. What are the benefits to like a green room type space? Or a, uh, what, what, what are the benefits to that during... Um, do you find that it's, it's, it's beneficial to say, like, come on back, you know, maybe during part of the service and, um, and, and sit around and chat? Yeah, I, I think it's beneficial for all creatives to have a space. Like, you know, creative people can be kind of eccentric or weird or whatever you want to call it. And so it's good for them to have a space where they can go, you know, this space is for us to be creative and have those conversations and be weird. Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about technology and media and songs and, and riffs, and we talk about stuff that doesn't even make sense to other people. Uh, but in creative spaces, it gives you freedom to grow and express and to talk. And so having a, a green room or whatever that space is, it's essential to helping your team feel relaxed. And food is just an added benefit. It doesn't even have to be something huge. When people feel like, man, they got me some donuts, they got me whatever it may be, they feel valued like, no, you want me to commune in here. You want me to come in here and be a part of this. And so, yeah. So it's like, come on, let's, let's have conversation. And you're right. The best conversations happen around food. And, and, is and that, we try to, we try to keep that value. Totally. Is that, I mean, cause when I've been there, somebody's made something, is that somebody's ministry? Like, is that somebody's like, you've, you've like tasked them with, Hey, can you make things for the morning? And Someone, I mean, if people love cooking, and so like if they can yeah. bring food to church, is that how you guys have that set up? Yeah, it, uh, it, it, was an, it was an intentional thing. It started with, hey, I know you guys love being part of this. What other ways can we find to serve people well? And then people start saying things like, man, I'm really good at doing this thing. I'm really good at cooking food. I really, can I bring food every weekend? Can I do that? If you want to, uh, <laughs> yes, you can. 
And so, um, can I bring food? I'm never going to say no to that. I don't ever think that's no. I think I think when when you involve people to be a part of the process or what you need instead of trying to trying to figure it all out on your own and hoarding it all, that commute that room for community and conversation is to find out what do you get good at, what are your wants and your needs, what are your desires. Because one of the people that brings uh, food on a regular basis, she discovered she would rather bring food than be. Uh, in the worship team, like then sing. That's and she can sing. Yeah. And she, and she was like, yeah, I, I got on the worship team to sing, but I started bringing food every weekend and that became my thing. Oh, and that's I think, amazing. I think we have to look at our ministries as bigger than what we see them. Because sometimes we think, oh man, we just, we need a bass player. And that may be great, but maybe you need an administrator. Maybe the bass player is better at this thing than the other thing. But you'll never know that if you don't have conversations and being able to talk to people. Uh, My goal has always been, how do I get people in the right place? They don't have to be, they don't have to do the things that I need them to do. I want them to do what they're called to do. And as a pastor, my job is to help you get into the right place. Because there are good singers who are better as ushers. There are good musicians who are better as uh, a children's director. And if I just try to hoard them based on the one single talent that they've shown me, I'm not doing my job as a pastor. And so, uh, yeah, I love that we've got several people that can bring food. And I love that we have a system that says we want you to find out what you're good at and then commit to doing that thing. And I'm, I'm always surprised by it every week that it happens every week, like even when I don't expect it. <laughs> And, and every week, I'm still surprised. Like, I never walk into the room going, well, I wonder what they made this time. <laughs> I'm, I'm always going, you did it again? Yeah. You did, you did, you're, like, you've been doing this for two years. You're still bringing food? Like, that's, that, so that's amazing to me. But I think, I mean, I think, too, part of, I mean, back to, I mean, talk about shepherding your people, like, the we ask them to be there early and there's one or two services like that's honor. That's honoring people. That's honoring their time yeah. and going like, I, I want you on your a game. And I mean, you know, eating a, eating a, a protein bar in between services might not be enough. And like to give you that strength and to go back out there and, and, right. uh, and, and do it again. And, uh, and that's, that's just, it's honoring people and honoring their time and taking care of them in the process. Yeah. And that's a top down thing. Honoring people and valuing people is a top-down thing. That's, that's the leader's responsibility to make sure that they're creating an atmosphere of honor and value. And then when you're doing it, it feeds into other people. It feeds into your team. And so and when, when I witness my team valuing other people, that's incredible. I've seen my team give each other uh, Starbucks gift cards because they appreciate the person being there. And I'm going, what? That's so good. That's my job. And they're yeah. like, no, I don't I, I appreciate her, you know, showing up. I appreciate them serving. So I'm going to bring them something on my own. And that's just great to see. Oh, I love that. I love that. What would you say to the person who feels like they can handle all the tasks of leading worship, but, um, but they struggle with the people side? Like they, they struggle with that. Like, I mean, like, you know, I've task oriented people. They're like, I can plan a set list. I can, you know, I can tell a drummer what to play. Like I can do all those things, but I don't do well when someone's like, when someone looks to me for that pastoral side or that shepherding side or that, like, I don't manage the people side of it well. What's kind of, what, what would you say to that person 
who's listening? Well, I, I would say it, de- it would depend on what your title is, because there's a difference between a worship pastor and a worship leader. Uh, the, the role and one of the main responsibilities of the worship pastor is not singing. His job is to pastor and shepherd those people. That's his job. Mm. Uh, and that means you've got to be people oriented, even if you don't like it. And you just got to uh, and you got to find your strength when you get alone. But you, but working with people is a skill set. While it may not always be a feeling, it's a skill that you have to cultivate. And and for the worship leader, uh, and I know sometimes those those you know titles get used interchangeably: worship leader, worship pastor. But they are different. Um, but either person that feels like, man, I'm great at the administration stuff, but I'm not good at the people stuff. I would say work on it. Work on it. It's good, one, that you can identify what you're not good at. Yep. That's, a great, that's a great skill in and of itself. But, and now that you can identify, now you have the opportunity to say, okay, how do I get better at this thing incrementally? And that means you've got to force yourself into certain conversations. And sometimes those, have, those conversations start one-on-one. Start saying, hey, I'm going to schedule one meeting a week with one person on my team just to sit down and have coffee and have tea and just listen to them and try to find out about their life. Spend 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour. I'm going to spend 30 minutes a week spending time with somebody on my team, whether that's sitting together, whether that's on a Zoom call, whether that's FaceTime, whatever that is, start to get involved in people's lives because people want to know that they are more than just uh, a name on a page. They want to know they're more than just a number that you are thinking about them intricately. And it's, it's even how I schedule people. The only way that I can schedule you the right way and know what you're doing in the right way is if I know your life, I know what vacations you're going on. I know what struggles you're having with your kids. I know when to bring you in. I know when to pull you out. I know when to say, Hey man, I know you really want to play over the next three weeks or the next two weeks, but I also know that you have these things going on. So it's probably going to be better that you sit down for a couple of weeks and I'll put you back on the schedule because I know your life and I'm looking out for you. Well, I only know that if I spend time with them. And so the only way to get better at the people side, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you're turning from an introvert to an extrovert. That may, that will never change for you. Even me, I am an introvert by nature. I love being by myself. I would never uh, have guessed that. I would never. I know, but publicly, my job requires me to be extroverted. Yep. So my, what my, and not just my job, my responsibility requires me to connect with people. And my calling is bigger than my personality. So if my call is to connect with people, I can't not connect with people because I go, well, I'm an introvert. So my calling doesn't care that I'm an introvert. And those people don't need an introvert. They need someone who's going to extend their hand and reach out to them and call them and text them and do all those things. And then I'm going to go find rest. And I'm going to manage my time well. So while I'm with all these people and I may be getting drained, I'm going to make sure that I rest well so I can get my energy back so that I can go and meet and serve them again. How do you do that? How do you get, how do you intentionally go find rest? What's something that, um, because I think you, you you hit the nail there. You hit the nail on the head there, where it's like, you know, introverts and extroverts. If like this is, if it, I love how you said, 
your calling doesn't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Like it's like this is um, how do you what do you do? What, what does Daryl do to go find that rest? Uh, well, a couple of things. I plan it. One thing is I plan it. Um, I am no good to anybody if I am no good. So it's I've got to rest. And I think there in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of pastors and leaders just be burned out. And I, and I've been in ministry my entire life, my whole life since a kid. And I've never once been burned out. Never once. That's amazing. Uh, it's because I have always recognized, and some of it might be because I saw my father uh, just work himself to the bone in ministry and so many things. But I've always taken the time to go, no, I, I've learned how to say no. I've learned how to create good boundaries. I've learned how to put uh, the things in ministry that I need to put first and prioritize. I've learned how to think out into the future. Most people get burned out because they don't think far enough ahead. And so when we're, when we're constantly finding ourselves having to, to be on anxiety and do the pressure, be like, man, I have to, I have to, I've got to get this done. I got to get this done. Plan better, plan better, plan three weeks out, plan four weeks out. So you go, what would, I would normally spend an hour doing this thing or two hours doing this thing. But since I've planned so far ahead, I could spend 15 minutes today. So I don't have to spend an hour. Then I'll spend 15 minutes on Thursday. And then by the time we're two weeks in, I've done the whole thing. And so I know how to start a project and then stop. Start a project and then stop and walk away from it. And it took time to get there because yeah. I'm a workaholic. It took time to go learn how to stop. And then the other thing that I learned how to do is take naps. Like a 15 minute nap, my man, it is gold. And I'll walk away from a conversation and go, you know, I'm going to go sit in my car for 15 minutes and take a nap. And I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to think about anybody. And if you can't find 15 minutes in a day to take a nap, then you are really mismanaging your time. Yep. You, you, you really got to think about, man, am I doing things that matter or am I only doing things that matter to me? And how am I prioritizing my family, my ministry, my calling and my rest? If, if, the Bible says God stood back and rested and appreciated what he did, then why shouldn't we stand back and rest and appreciate what we did? I am the master of the 15-minute vacation. 15-minute vacation. That's amazing. Where, Man, is, you, where is the weirdest place you've taken a 15-minute nap? I need to know this. I need. Oh, like, wow. Like, what is, like, you said your car, but that's not as weird. Like, is there... I meant, no, it, it's, what's some what, what's some it. like like you know in I'll, the middle? I'll give a couple. I'll get. I've done it in the car. I've done it in a stairwell. Uh, I've done it in a bathroom stall. Um, Man, I've that guy's it, been in there a while. <laughs> yeah, but I've done it in a changing room and Marshalls. Again, I know that you're telling the truth. That's my favorite right. part of this conversation <laughs> is that these things actually happen. I don't. This is yes. in a changing like, room at Marshall's. You just took a 15 minute nap and woke up. Yes. And you get rested and, and I'm good. And after, shake it after off that, and, and that's Popeye, all you need. <laughs> Popeye had a spinach and you're, you know, you're good to go. It's like, yeah, that's amazing. Listen on my, on my phone right now, I set the timer on my phone and I'll say, Siri, wake me up in 15 minutes. <laughs> and, and not all the time do I go to sleep. Sometimes I just sit there yep. and do nothing. And it's just like, 
I'm not on my phone. I'm not, I'll, I'll try to think about something. Maybe that's a vacation or maybe I'll meditate or maybe I'll pray in them. But I, I take that 15 minutes where, man, I'm not rushing. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just relaxing. I don't, I don't care what's going on. I mean, the, the world could be on fire. I'm going to take this 15 minutes so that I can get perspective. I can do life well. And then in, in my experience, I've always found out that it, it turns out well. There's never been a time where I took a 15-minute break and someone was like, hey, the house just caved in and we needed you for those 15 minutes. No, it's, it's never been the case. I'm going to find my time to get away. That's amazing. This, uh, this last weekend, I, last, actually, I should say this last week, I did something gigantic in the reclaiming your time world. I deleted the uh, email app off my phone. It was Ooh. a, uh, dude, it was a hard one. And, but then I realized, I realized, speaking of this, I realized um, nobody ever emails me to like check in. It's all work. I, yeah. uh, email is all work. And I was like, I don't ever, I don't need, I don't need to always be accessible and always be, and so this past weekend was my first weekend without email on my phone. It, speak, people do this on a regular basis. Like yes, this, I was like, this is a weekend. This is, this is mm-hmm. time off. This is, I don't have to, every time I open my phone, I didn't see that little red dot reminding me that I have so much work to do when I get back to my office. Um, yeah. it, was, it was great. It's, uh, I highly recommend it if you have never done it. It's a, it's a, it, 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 it's a brain clearing mechanism thing for sure. So I oh, think yeah, it's of, incredible. I think part of, I mean, shepherding people involves shepherding yourself. Like this Absolutely. is, this is not, you can't constantly be pouring out of an empty cup and constantly be like giving more than you have to give. And like you're, you're, con- you're constantly being drained and like there's nothing, eventually you're, nothing comes out. Yeah. I come, uh, a lot of stuff that you end up discovering, you end up discovering that you don't need as much, people don't need as much access to you as you give them truth, uh, and, and everything that's a, just because it, it's an emergency for them doesn't make it an emergency for you. Um, because if like for me, I don't answer email on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I don't answer email. And I've, and I've had people say, Hey man, I emailed you Saturday and you didn't respond. Yep. And I go, yeah. Cause I don't even look at my email on Saturday. And well, it was an emergency. It wasn't that much of an emergency because you have my phone number. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> if it was if it was that much of an emergency, you should have called me. And you and you realize that things are not as much of an emergency as people say they are. And that's why you emailed it. You you sat down and you wrote a letter in an email and you could have called me. Nah, it wasn't it. And, and then I'll go. Well, how did it go? Oh, we figured it out. See, look at yeah, right. you didn't, you didn't even, even, even you didn't need, need me, me anyway. <laughs> why are we even talking about this? You didn't need me for that. That's true. So like I and I and I've done that for years. I will not answer my email on the weekend. And some people think it's oh man, I can't believe you don't. I don't do it. I I need my sanity more than you need my time. Yep. Oh, this is why we're friends. Um. So <laughs> this pod, our podcast is called the Table, and um, and like we talked about a minute ago, conversation, good conversation happens over good food. So if I was if I was invited over to the Black House for dinner. Like what? What are you? What are you making? Or what are you? What? 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 What food is on the table? I. I just. I want to figure that out. Well, my my wife is an incredible host. She loves hosting people. Yeah. And so, what would probably be on the table? She makes chicken alfredo from scratch. 
so it might be that, or there's this another one called Chicken Divine. Ooh, I can't even. I can't even go into how incredible it is. I won't. I mean, even, you call yourself Chicken Divine. I, you better be good. I mean, right? It is. It is one of the best of the best things. So you're gonna have some Chicken Divine. Probably have some homemade bread. Homemade. Listen to Ooh, what I say. That's not store bought. This is no, not store bought. Homemade bread, and she will probably also make a dessert. And and she makes this uh, four layer chocolate delight thing that it's got chocolate Wait, cake. Dinner yeah. is called divine, and dessert is called delight. I mean, this is yes. I, we're in we're in good good hands here. This is yes, sir. You get divine dinner and a delight for dessert. I mean. If, if not, if you're not doing, if she's not doing the chocolate light, she might hit you with the cheesecake, which she also makes that from scratch too. So this is all good. This just is saying. I mean, when you when you come to the black house, we treat you well. It's true. We I mean, it's listen, good. <laughs> we want people to know. Listen, our, our house. We've always wanted our house to be a safe haven for people to feel like, man, we. I just want to come here and just chill and hang out, and that's yep. what it's always been. Yep. And so my wife is. She's so good at hosting. Like she should start a business on how to host parties because she's just so great at making people feel comfortable and, and feeding them. And, you know, we have to kick people out of our house sometimes. Uh, Nothing wrong with cause that. They, Cause they just, they just want to hang. They just want to hang. So that's do, what do your, you get, man. Do your kids, your kids bring their friends over? Is this, this is the. All the uh, time. All the time. That's so good. Uh, it's, it's that house. They, we bring the, they bring their kids over and then we have like strong theological debates with their with their friends who ask, sit there and ask me tons of questions about Bible and social issues and, and all this kind of stuff. And I love it. So you are working on the weekends. No, is that, that that's not uh, <laughs> just not email. Just not, not email. email. Just not just email. Not. <laughs> hey, how can we, yeah. how can we connect with you? Like what, give us all your ways to connect. You're always put, you're posting some stuff on, I love following you on Instagram because you're always posting some good stuff from the church. And so kind of tell us mm. how, how we can connect with you. Yeah, you can on Instagram is Mr. Daryl Black, uh, M R D A R Y L Black. I'm sure you uh, people can see that. And uh, my YouTube channel is Daryl Black Channel. Uh, I also, my wife and I also have a marriage ministry. I have a, a PhD in behavioral psychology, and uh, we are both certified uh, marriage coaches. And so I also have a, another Instagram called Daryl Black Speaks. It's just dedicated to marriages and relationships. So that's so. I don't know that I've known you for a long time. You just dropped that PhD in there like it was like it was nothing. I didn't know that I knew this about you. I don't know that I. I think Mr. Daryl Black should be Dr. Daryl Black if that's uh, on the on your Instagram. But I'm scared of the doctor, man. I, I, I'm scared of like some of my clients. They call me Dr. Black or Dr. Daryl, and I don't. I don't like it. Uh, it just sounds weird to me. I'm just I'm, like, just I'm, call me Daryl. I'm calling you Dr. Black from now on. That's, that's, that be your, can that be your stage name? Dr. Black? Dr. The, Black. Yes. Doc. I feel like I got to come out in a costume or a cape or something. <laughs> it's, like, it's Dr. Black, ladies it's, and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So oh, Daryl, Hey, thanks so much for today. And just dropping those wisdom bombs in there and, uh, and uh, letting us know kind of your heart. Cause like I said, you're, uh, you do this so well in shepherding people and taking care of people. And, um, as we're kind of going into the, we're going into this Easter season and, uh, into this, yeah. the rest of this year, it just, I feel like it's so important right now to just open up the conversation about, about yeah. people and, um, reminding, reminding everybody that like 
one, you're working with people and that's, that's their people and you got to make sure they're taken care of. And uh, people are our greatest resource. Truth. It's our greatest resource. My, my dad, my, my father was a pastor. So I grew up as a PK once years ago, my father used to say, man, ministry would be great if there were no people involved. Uh, and except. it doesn't mean that, yeah, except you need people. Otherwise, uh, so it's a lot of, it's like we're putting on a uh, show for yourself. Just speaking, speaking out of the frustration of, yeah, right. you know, here was a guy who loves administration and introvert. And, and but, you know, we need people and, and they are our greatest resource. And so we've got to value them uh, and grow them and disciple them and do life with them. And, that's how we do ministry, man. That's that's the Acts Church. So good. All right, everybody. We will see you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Pleasure. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in today uh, to this episode. I hope that just the idea of community and people uh, gets some ideas going in your brain. Join us the rest of this month as we talk about shepherding people. Um, if you could, I would love for you to like or subscribe to the podcast um, as well as leave us a review you can follow us on instagram at worship leader podcast or at worship leader as you can follow me at jason underscore squires Um, but we will see you guys next week as we continue this conversation on shepherding your team